Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Anyone who is listening to this podcast is obviously a fan of true crime. And after a while, it's easy to become desensitised to the violence and brutality. With true crime becoming very mainstream, with TV series like the recent Jeffrey Dahmer series with Evan Peters, or the Ted Bundy movie with Zac Efron a couple of years ago, true crime has almost become somewhat of a bedtime towel to relax for sleep. Disturbing content pretty much goes with the territory for true crime fans. But there is something about 911 calls that will chill even the most desensitised of listeners. Disturbing 911 calls this week are mysteriously listed. Number 5. Don Spirit From 1990 to 1996, Don Spirit was living in Hillsborough County, Florida. He was arrested and charged at least seven times with a mix of misdemeanours and felonies. The charges included battery, drug possession, and depriving a child of food and shelter. He also served three years in prison in 2001 for shooting and killing his son in a hunting accident. Don's daughter Sarah was also investigated by the Department of Children and Families, or DCF, as well as the police. According to DCF, the family had been involved in 18 child protective investigations from February 2006 until the day of the killings. And these investigations were pretty much the worst of the worst. Beatings, burnings, medical neglect, poor supervision, drug use, abandonment and domestic battery being among the charges being investigated. The details were sometimes outlandish. Sarah once treated a deep cut on her son's foot with bleach, then wrapped the wound with tissue and duct tape. She ignored reported pleas from the school nurse to take him to a doctor. The children regularly missed school due to relentless head lice. One little girl nearly lost all her teeth to rot. The children resorted to stealing food because they were hungry. Sarah insisted the family had steak for dinner but the children said they ate cereal while the adults dined on the meat. Don would beat the children with a belt for the most minor indiscretion. Residents said Don disliked his grandchildren and would call them names in public. In 2013, Sarah agreed to accept help from DCF, only to be dropped from the program as quote-unquote unsuccessful. Any reports of abuse against her children were closed. However, DCF were clear that they would bring up any charges against her if she abused her children again. Now, for those of you who listen to my other podcast, Stolen Lives, you know these threats rarely make a difference. Several more abuse cases followed. Investigators said Sarah Spirit was unemployed and providing her father with money she earned through prostitution. Don did not agree with the career turn his daughter had taken and that the, quote, kids were not going to live this kind of life, unquote. 
September 18, 2014. Don forms a plan and puts it into action. He then calls 911 at 4pm to tell them what he had just done. Gilchrist County 911, what's the address of the emergency? Yes, ma'am, I, I, um, I just shot my daughter and shot all my grandkids, and I'll be sitting on my step, and when you get here, I'm going to shoot myself. What is the address that you're at, sir? 2550 Northwest, 25 Paris, downstairs. They're, they're, every one of them are dead. Uh, you said your name is Dawn Spirit? Yep. All right, Don, what kind of gun do you have? It doesn't matter what kind of gun I got. They're all dead, and then when you get here, I'll shoot myself, and then you figure out what kind of gun it is. How long did this happen, Don? I, I, I don't want to hear it, man. I'm done with all every fucking thing. Just bring the motherfuckers out here, that's all. We got all the kids are dead in the house. Okay, how many people? Okay, how many people? Six kids, one adult. Six kids and one adult? Yeah. One of them is a baby. Alright, Don, is there any way you can stay on the phone with me until I get somebody there to help you? What's that? Can I ha have you stay on the phone with me? No, I, no, not that. I'm waiting for them to get here. When they get here, I'm going to shoot myself on my back step. All I'm doing is waiting for them. Are you sitting on your back steps? Yep. Um. Nine minutes later, the first units from the sheriff's office arrived and found Don pacing outside the family home unarmed and with what appeared to be a jug of water. Deputies reported that Don told them, quote, I'm not mad at you. My daughter has turned into a whore and on drugs. I'm fed up with this whole family. My family is ruined. My life is ruined and I'm just tired of them all. And I've taken care of it today. Unquote. This was when Don walked from the back of the trailer with a semi-automatic weapon in which he used to end his own life, shooting himself in the head. Don had killed his daughter Sarah and all of his six grandchildren. Deputies discovered Sarah's body outside, partially underneath a tarp. The reports state that in addition of being shot in the head, she was stabbed seven times and suffered blunt force trauma from being pistol whipped. The bodies of the children were found at different locations inside the home. Autopsy results showed that the youngest child died from a gunshot wound to the torso, while the five older ones died from gunshot wounds to the head. Don's ex-wife indicated to investigators that she believed he was bipolar and possibly under the influence of illegal drugs. The report also mentions that Don had been smoking spice and had been off his medication for a month or two before the murders. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. 
Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Velour XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Number four, Jennifer Berman. West Palm Beach, Florida. Richard and Jennifer Berman got married in 1992. Richard being a well-known luxury realtor. They lived in a prominent Elsid neighbourhood in a home which in 2010 sold for $1.2 million. For reasons that aren't clear, in 2008 Richard filed for divorce, before the couple reconciled for several years before divorcing for good in 2012. During this period, the couple still lived together, until Jennifer alleged that she was experiencing extreme emotional abuse from Richard and petitioned the court to have him removed from the home. The divorce was tedious. Records have revealed that Jennifer had filed for temporary alimony and child support. She was already struggling financially and claimed that she had to sell her late father's watch just to buy gas and groceries. In the end, Jennifer could no longer afford her divorce lawyer. Court records show the extent of their financial woes, with Richard failing to pay the mortgage on the home throughout the divorce proceedings, despite living in the home himself. He also failed to support Jennifer and their children, like he would buy food just for himself and then hide it away from his estranged wife and children. There may be a reason for this. Richard was also struggling financially. Court records show that he was in debt at the time. The divorce was officially finalised in December 2013, with the couple being granted shared custody of their children. Jennifer continued to live with the children in the former family home with unpaid mortgage payments. But she did what needed to be done to make ends meet. Jennifer took a job as a carer for a 99-year-old man in the neighbourhood, working up to 12 hours at a time. But her financial concerns worsened and she was informed there'd be a foreclosure sale on the home and she would have to move out. The lovely old man she was caring for offered that Jennifer and the children could move into his home, but she declined his kindness. This would all lead to decline in Jennifer's mental health and she was diagnosed with depression. Aside from her financial struggles, she also lost her mother in August 2013, only weeks before her divorce was finalised. She began to take antidepressants and would occasionally call her cousin for emotional support. On the morning of January 13, 2014, Jennifer sent her ex-husband Richard an email. She stated that she intended to harm herself and their children, 16-year-old Alexander and 15-year-old Jacqueline, that she was doing what was best for the family. She also messaged her cousin to state that she would kill herself and her children. Richard wasted no time picking up his phone and dialing 911. Nine one one, where's your address? Answer, um, Scott, sir, give us the address. We're going to. 
I'm, I'm just about getting there, but it's kind of concerning me. My ex-wife said that she was going to harm the kids and that I should get over there ASAP. Um, okay, how do you spell the name of the street? The house, but to be honest with you, I'm afraid to go in. Okay, how many, how uh, many kids are in the house? My two children and my ex-wife, but I don't know if they're there. I mean, but the car's in the driveway. It, are they and her I kids also? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just recently got divorced. Was it a text or a... Well, she sent me an email that uh, uh, that she did the she did the best thing for our family, and uh, and then she sent my her cousin a text that she was going to kill the kids and 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 herself. And she's up in Port St. Lucie, and she's freaking out. And she called me, and now I'm in front of the house, and then I should get here ASAP. All right. All right, just to let you know, I have the call in already, okay? Okay, I'm here. All right, just stay, stay on the line though, with me. Yeah. Okay, is she home? Does she have a car I there? Have the, car, the, car, the car's in the driveway. Does she have any weapons in that house? Possibly. What do you mean? Do you know of any weapons? I, I remember there were. What kind? I'm sorry, I'm here with a neighbor. Okay, but I need this information from you. What kind, of, what kind of weapons have you seen in the house? Well, I remember she had her dad's old rifles. And this is her house? I, yeah, well, we just sold it recently and she's been renting it. I'm, I'm in the driveway and my neighbor just went in to, to, to look to see what's going on. How yeah. are the kids? I don't know if she's... Uh, 15 and 16. There's what? Yeah. What's going on? Oh, I'm on with 911. What's going on, there's, sir? There's, uh, it's up to you. Sir, sir, you, speak to yeah. me. What's going yeah. on? My neighbor went in and there's blood up on the wall in, 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 in near her bedroom. Okay. Where are the kids? Hello, sir? Yeah. Okay, are the kids okay? I don't know. Yeah, get, somebody get me medics. We got, we're getting, we have police and paramedics on the way, sir. Our car's there. I'm afraid to go upstairs. Don't, you need, you need to stay outside. The officers want you to stay outside, sir. We need we need your neighbor outside too. We need everybody outside. I can't talk right now. I I know I know I know. I need okay. you to be calm. Though. Did she say anything else? Did she say? Did she see your daughter? She said they're both upstairs in my in in. in she thinks they are. She thinks they are what? Upstairs in the bed. Yeah yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry. That that's okay. Can I speak to the neighbor? Hi. What did you say? Oh, well, there's all this blood upstairs. The police are here right now, and I went up, and it, it, it looked like... I think the girl's up in bed with her, but once I got up, I saw what was up there. I had to run back downstairs, and he told me to come outside. The two police just went in the front door. All right, the police are there? Yes, ma'am. All right, thank you, ma'am. Okay, do you want me to hang up the phone now? Yes, yes, you can hang up now. In the 911 call, sensitive content such as the address has been edited out. 
Later in the call, there is another portion that has been removed, wherein Richard enters the house and is met with a horrific scene. Richard found his son Alexander dead. He says that, quote, I was touching his head and he wasn't waking up. His alarm was on and there was blood in his ear, unquote. Some years after the murder-suicide, an unnamed boyfriend of Jennifer revealed that she was troubled because, for a long while, she could not afford to get divorced. He stated that she sold a lot of her belongings to keep afloat and buy groceries. And when Richard was still living with Jennifer, their house was robbed, and the thieves stole from everywhere except Richard's room, even getting their hands on approximately $100,000 worth of jewellery. Finally, the unnamed boyfriend stated that Richard once told Jennifer he wanted to see her homeless with a shopping cart, and that he would not even, quote, throw her a dime, unquote. Jennifer's neighbours stated that she was a loving mother, but there came a time when, quote, she was different, you could see it in her face, there was something missing, something disturbed in her mind, the conversation, the language, the eyes, something was missing, unquote. Her cousin also stated that towards the end, Jennifer was hopeless. She felt she could no longer guarantee a future for herself and her children. Richard and Jennifer's children were musically gifted, attending a prestigious arts high school in southern Florida. A grief counsellor was employed at the school for devastated friends and peers to come to terms with the tragedy. Number 3. Alex Deaton Alex Deaton and Heather Robinson were in a relationship together. Heather had worked hard to become a nurse. Sadly, one February afternoon in 2017, while Alex and Heather were in their apartment in Brandon, Mississippi, Alex strangled his girlfriend. There was no clear motive behind this random act of violence. Authorities found Heather's body while visiting her apartment for a welfare check. It is believed she had been dead for at least 24 hours. What's worse is that Heather had just been the beginning of Alex's rampage. The night before he murdered Heather, he shot Brenda Pinter inside a Baptist church. Again, there is no clear motive behind the second murder. That same Friday, the police found Heather's body. Alex had claimed his third victim. A jogger who was out for a run at five in the morning. Alex shot her in the thigh while driving by in his white SUV. By this point, the authorities could not ignore how much of a danger he was to the general public, and they announced he was a main suspect in the murders. The police urged the public to come forward if they knew of Alex's whereabouts. The FBI offered a $20,000 reward for anyone with information that could lead to the arrest of Alex Deaton. A manhunt followed the string of crimes. It spanned three states and over 2,000 miles as Alex was constantly on the move trying to escape the authorities. He came across a couple, Devon and Sarah. They had been hiking in New Mexico when he forced them in the trunk of their car and drove off. When Devon managed to escape the trunk, Alex got out and shot him, lying him to die and driving off with Sarah. Alex drove Sarah to a neighbourhood so he could steal another car and drive off. Thankfully, Sarah managed to escape as well. Devon called 911 to inform them what had just happened. I need your help. 
off right away at, uh, at the Lalu's entrance, the Wanda Bowl picnic ground. A man just shot me, and I think he killed my girlfriend. He made it in the trunk, and we were able to jump out. I don't know if he's coming back down. I don't know what's going on. Please. He shot me, and I fell down, and then he, he, he chased Sarah more. Sarah got away a little bit, but I'm pretty certain he killed her. He left a car, a gun on the passenger seat, so I pick it up just in case he comes back down. Hey, let's get out of here before he comes. I don't want you to get hurt, sir. But you don't know for sure if she was shot or not? It sounded like she was shot. I just ran. Okay. I was just I'm a moron. Alex went into a convenience store where he ended up shooting the clerk and stealing his Cadillac. Another car chase followed, which resulted in a car crash after Alex drove over stripe strips. Finally, police were able to apprehend him as he got out of the burning vehicle. During his trial, Alex stated he had bipolar disorder and pleaded guilty to all of his crimes. He was sentenced to life in prison. Number 2. Joshua Bryant April 4, 2017, Edmond, Oklahoma. 17-year-old Joshua Bryant was at home with his father, Brad, and his stepmother, Catherine. At around 8.30pm, Brad left the house to go pick up his daughter from the gym. He returned around half an hour later to find Joshua in a panic. Joshua was talking about his stepmother, but it wasn't exactly clear what was going on. When Brad went into the kitchen to find his wife, Joshua stole Catherine's car and took off into the night. Brad made his way throughout the house and into the garage, where he found his wife lying on the ground with a blanket covering her head. When he lifted this blanket, he was met with a grisly sight. Brad immediately called 911. 911, where is your Oh, God. Listen to me. Where are you at? 530 Park Place. 530 Park Place? Yeah, okay, what, what's going on? What's going on? Hold on. Hold on. Just a second, Anna. Anna. I, I can't seem to help my you. Son, my, hmm? my son has killed my wife. He killed your wife? How did he kill your wife? I don't know. I just found her. He had a crazy story, and now he has stolen the car, and I went looking for her. Okay. She's in the garage, and she's been hit in the head. She's dead. Okay, she, so she's not breathing at all? No, she's dead. Okay. <laughs> How, what made you think your He's son... He's driving a white Infinity. When, when did your son leave? Just now. Okay, he just, he just left? Yes. Okay, what kind of vehicle did he leave in? He's in a white Infinity? He's driving a, a 2011 white Infinity G37. G37? Yes. Okay. What direction did he leave going? I have no idea. You don't know what direction he left going? Do you know where he might be going? No. No. Now, how, you said he hit your wife. Do you know what he hit her with? I don't know. Okay. I went. I don't know. She's laying in the garage. Okay. She has a, something over her head, and I lifted it up. Her head is smashed so bad. Okay. Like a tarp, like a tarp over her head? No, a blanket. Okay. okay. Do, do you have, like, a license plate number by chance? I don't know. Okay, right now. that's fine. That's fine. Okay. Call your mom. Tell her to come get you. Okay. How old is your son? He's seventeen. Seventeen. What's your son's name? Josh Bryant. Josh Bryant. 
Yes. Okay. Listen, I have I have lots of help headed that way to you. Okay. Um, is that another? Is that, I said I have lots of help headed that way to you. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. Say that again. I have lots yeah. of I, I have lots of help headed that way to you. Okay. Is that another kid okay. here in the background? Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, do you do you think he might be on his way back to you guys? No, he's left. He's, he's left run because of what he had did. Okay. Do you have any idea what kind of caused this to happen? It's okay if you no. don't. No. Okay. I went to get my daughter from the gym. I'm gone 30 minutes, and I come back. We were supposed to go to a pitching lesson. Okay. And when you just got back home? Yeah, I got home, okay. and he gave me excuses about where she went, and I needed to work on the dinner. And... I started getting suspicious, mm-hmm. and then I checked her phone, and he, the cops are here. Around midnight, police were able to locate and arrest Joshua Bryant for his stepmother's murder. He admitted to police that he and Catherine had been in an argument, and he struck her over the head with a baseball bat, knocking her unconscious. Joshua then said he sat there on the kitchen floor for almost five minutes deciding his next course of action. He then dragged Catherine from the kitchen into the garage before making his way back into the living room to once again decide what to do next. He went into the closet and retrieved a 22 caliber rifle and then made his way back to the garage. He stood above Catherine before aiming the rifle at the back of her head and pulling the trigger. Joshua stated that he fled the scene to, quote, clear his head, unquote. Though Joshua was 17 at the time of the murder, he faced very adult charges of first-degree murder. When Joshua was 19 years old, he pleaded guilty to second-degree murder and was sentenced to 40 years in prison with the time he spent awaiting trial to be credited. Number 1. Douglas Day Douglas Day and Tiffany Lambert were together for six years. In that time, Douglas became violent and controlling. He once broke Tiffany's nose, threatened her that he would slit her throat with a knife. He even went as far as to pour gasoline on her to make her think he was going to set her on fire. They would have two children together, a five-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son, but this did not change the nature of their relationship. Douglas was easily provoked and once strangled Tiffany as she held their daughter, all because she wanted to go visit her mother. Finally, Tiffany decided she could no longer be in the relationship with Douglas and decided to end things. On that day, April 25, 2017, Douglas was drunk and threatened Tiffany with a gun. She called her mother to come get her and the children. Sadly, Douglas would shoot Tiffany's mother, ending her life, as well as shooting Tiffany, who lived through the incident. Douglas then took off in his car, at which point Tiffany dialed 911. Who shot her? Oh, my 
Authorities believed Douglas had fled to his parents' house, but when the authorities searched their house, they found he had already left. They decided to search the nearby area and found a liquor bottle in the woods. This is when they heard Douglas moaning. He revealed himself to authorities, still drunk, and he fell unconscious. He was convicted to 23 years to life for his crimes. Meanwhile, his mother gained custody of Douglas and Tiffany's children. She had applied for custody while Tiffany was in the hospital recovering from her gunshot wounds. She was hesitant for the children to be brought up by Tiffany, their own mother. While fighting in court to get her children back, Tiffany said, quote, They're playing with my children like they're pawns in some kind of game and it's killing me. Unquote. Unfortunately, in my research, I could not find a resolution for this custody battle. I am hopeful Tiffany got her children back. She does not need to be punished twice, losing her mother and then losing her children. What would you like to see mysteriously listed? Do you have a particular theme that interests you? Please search Mysteriously Listed on Facebook. Like the page so you don't miss an episode. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search Mysterious List. 
If you like what you heard today, we would appreciate it if you share this episode on your social media of choice and subscribe and leave a positive review on your podcast app. Research, additional writing, hosting and production is by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.